Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using today's hashtags, Nonprofit Utopia, Candid, and Nonprofit Nirvana. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit utopia. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions right now. We have a new system where you don't have to open an account. You can just write on in, and you will find that chat room right on the episode page. And if you have any questions that you feel more comfortable emailing to me, you can send them to me at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. I won't be able to respond immediately for obvious reasons, but if you post in the chat room, I can share your comments and concerns with, with our guests and others who are listening, and um, you can take it from there. And we'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community. We've included a link to our mailing list in the comment section on the episode page. And before we get into today's show, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background on the Foundation Center and GuideStar, you know, just so you, you know, get a full context of what our discussion is going to be about or the context within which we'll be speaking. And... I want to share information from an article, Candid, the Foundation Center GuideStar Merger's Noteworthy Process, and that was written by Ruth McCambridge. She is the editor of the nonprofit Quarterly. Foundation Center was established in 1956 in the wake of McCarthy-era hearings on foundation activities as a public information service on philanthropy. Foundation Center began by gathering documents on 7,000 American foundations for public inspection and publishing annual print directories starting in 1960. The mission evolved to encompass strengthening the social sector by advancing knowledge about philanthropy, not only in the United States, but around the world. With information on more than 13 million grants and 155,000 grant makers, Foundation Center maintains the world's largest database on global grant making. 
Foundation Center, Information and Service Aid, nonprofits in increasing organizational capacity and raising the funds to fulfill their missions while enabling foundations to collaborate more effectively and allocate resources more efficiently. Founded in 1994, GuideStar has helped drive the nonprofit transparency revolution. GuideStar released the first ever searchable electronic database of nonprofits in 1996. Over the years, GuideStar expanded the database to include all tax-exempt organizations registered with the IRS. The database currently comprises profiles million organizations. Populated with data from the IRS, nonprofits, and partners, these profiles are available through the GuideStar website, website and more than 200 other websites and applications, including Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Fidelity Charitable. In 2018, more than 10 million people used GuideStar data to make decisions about nonprofits and the work they do, and I am proud to be among the users of both websites and all of their resources. So while there is no such thing as perfection, the seven-year process that brought the Foundation Center and GuideStar together to become candid is pretty close as mergers go. The completion of the merger has not only resulted in the creation of Candid as a sustainable organization, it has also led to the consolidation of the most comprehensive array of tools for research, collaboration for nonprofits in the world. We'll discuss the implications of the merger for the nonprofit sector and make sure that you take notes and call in or chat with your burning questions. Our guest today is Jen Bokoff. She's the Director of Stakeholder Engagement at Candid, and Candid is comprised of the Foundation Center and GuideStar as a merger. She worked with small staff groups for well, a small staff group for five months to create the new Candid brand and identity. She is a key part of the team leading implementation of the brand across Candid's many offerings over the next year, and she looks forward to connecting with Candid's many stakeholders as part of evolving work. Jen develops partnerships, projects and insights to power the work of the philanthropic sector. She likes asking, so what, to push candidates' data-driven work to be as valuable and actionable as it can be. She also runs GrantCraft, a free service that taps the practical wisdom of funders to improve the collective knowledge of the philanthropy field. A graduate of Tufts University, Jen studied community health and sociology and spent two years involved in the Learning by Giving Philanthropy program. She serves on the Alumni Council's Executive Committee and also serves on an advisory committee for the MOST education programs. 
So you can see she's very, very accomplished. So thank you so much for being with us today, Jen. We know at a cerebral level what it means for two organizations to merge. Can you describe what the process was like as a practical matter on the ground for the Foundation Center and GuideStar? Well, first, thank you so much, Valerie, for having me on the show. It's an honor. We love your podcast at Candid. Um, so what was the process like um, on the ground? It was very deliberate, very exciting, and at times a little bit stressful, um, just how mm-hmm. a merger ought to be. So, you know, from a deliberate standpoint, I think what most impressed me was just how step-by-step everything happened. So this mm-hmm. this wasn't a merger that was done fully behind closed doors. Um, we needed, for example, to make sure that funders were going to be willing to support the organization as we evolved mm-hmm. into one. Um, so there were conversations to see if the funds would be there. There were conversations with key stakeholders, um, both inside the organizations and outside with, within the sectors um, that we work in to see, you know, if this would be meeting the needs um, that folks have on the ground. And there was a lot of intentionality around making sure that we would never have a gap in the services that we provide to our end users. So everything was done making sure that strong on day one of the new organization as both GuideStar and Foundation Center had been for a combined 88 years. Um, so it was super deliberate. Wow. And, yeah, and but it was also, like, really exciting. I mean, the energy just across the, the two staffs um, and, you know, as people kind of brainstorm different possibilities and thought about, you know, what it would mean for us, it really leaned toward excitement. Um, there's, you know, there's always questions asked and, and curiosities about what might happen. But from the beginning, this was really positioned by Brad Smith, who's the current president, um, and Jacob Harold, who's the executive vice president. It was really framed as a merger of strengths. Um, And so we really saw joining forces as an opportunity um, to build on what we, the staff, were already doing with some additional resources and a bunch of really cool new colleagues. Um, So that was exciting. And then, you know, that last piece, of course, it was stressful (laughs) because there's (laughs) there's ever-moving timelines. There's stuff that you know you'll find out eventually, but you won't know till you know. Um, and just like a lot of work to get done. Um, like once we decided on the name, for example, the name Candid, we had to go through the process of securing the URL and making sure we could get the trademark. And, you know, there's a lot of those little pieces that just have to happen. And you're kind of biting your nails to make sure that they happen without without a challenge. <laughs> and we were really lucky not to have too many uh, too many road bumps. Yeah, so I'm wondering, did you guys start off with a strategic planning process to try to get a sense for what this might look like? Yeah, so 
a lot happened before the broader staff was involved. Um, and I think I, you referenced in your introduction, um, which is very astute, the seven-year process. Um, some would even argue that it goes back to when GuideStar was founded, when, you know, immediately there's sort of this, huh, like these two organizations seem like they might have a few things in common, right? So mm -hmm. both organizations have always been committed to empowering individuals and organizations with insights to change the world. And so, you know, there's always been loose conversation about working together. And then, um, a, a few years ago, there was actually a study done. We engaged a consultant to see what it would look like to join forces. And at the time, the report came back that, you know, while there's a lot in common, it doesn't make sense right now, um, but it's something that should be revisited again in the future. And so in that time between that report and a follow-up report, which concluded that we ought to merge, we started working together a little bit more intentionally. So I was actually a part mm -hmm. of um, facilitating this retreat that we did be between the senior leadership on both teams probably about four years ago at this point, um, where we looked mm -hmm. for synergies. So everything from the sorts of um, data science experiments that we were doing to thinking about how we could share knowledge better and connect more people with opportunities for capacity building. Um, so we started mm -hmm. somewhat informally um, building out a level of partnership. And then when we revisited mm -hmm. merging in 2017, the response came back that, yes, um, you know, this would be a good idea. The time is optimal. The shift of the IRS to share machine-readable data um, certainly created a new context. Um, and, you know, we really concluded that with our combined experience and expertise, we could just do more together than we could do apart. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So that is, so that answers really my next question. I was going to ask why merge instead of remaining separate entities? And I guess you really answered that. So what are the things that you can do now that you couldn't do before the merger? Well, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, a piece of that is also why we merged, which is um, for this incredible feedback loop, right? So Foundation mm -hmm. Center has historically looked at the, the data from the philanthropic side. We've looked at funding flows from foundations to organizations. So a lot of our questions have been framed around what funders are doing and how and why. And GuideStar mm -hmm. has historically looked at things from the other side of the, the same coin, which is like what's happening on the nonprofit side? Um, you know, what, what do their organizations look like? How is their work structured? Um, you know, what's the data tied to the nonprofits? And so when, when you look at that data together, not only do you have a more complete picture of the philanthropic landscape, but you also have a really unique um, opportunity to kind of have this feedback loop by listening to one side of the coin and feeding mm. that, that intelligence to the other side. And, and frankly, it's been a missed opportunity in the past that the sector on whole does not do a good job with. But really, like, in a sense, it's a false dichotomy because everybody's working to change the world in the same ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by combining into one organization, we're able to more freely share knowledge and do some interesting dot connecting on what works and what doesn't. 
you know, we can start mm-hmm. asking questions that we couldn't ask before and actually have some answers. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I guess the last point I would make about, like, what we can do now is it's also just easier for the end users. I So, like, I know as someone also works for a nonprofit because Candid is a nonprofit, there's just, like, a lot mm-hmm. of information out there. And it can be really overwhelming to – have a question or a curiosity, and then figure out how to go about getting an answer. And so what we're aiming to do is make it easier for end users so that they don't have to think, is this Mm -hmm. Guide Star? Is this Foundation Center? You know, what service Mm -hmm. within those entities do I need to access? The goal is really for us to be a one-stop shop to meet the needs of people who are trying to change the world so that they have more bandwidth Mm -hmm. to actually do that. Yeah, you know, that sounds really exciting. As you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, this has to really, really be great, not only for nonprofits, but foundations and, I guess, also nonprofits, but within a different subsector. But I can imagine that now foundations could be even more responsive and respond even more quickly to the needs of nonprofits, you know, because you guys are like an interface, it sounds like, you know, between both subsectors. So so that's some awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we really hope that for foundations who historically thought that maybe, you know, there wasn't a resource for them to dig into data and really, like, do their grant making smarter, structure their programs smarter, figure out how to be more networked. Um, if they didn't realize there was a resource for them before, we hope that they definitely do now because so many of our products and services are structured in a way where, you know, they they really can strengthen their work if they, mm-hmm. you know, take some time to really explore some of the insights that we're sharing. Mm, this is awesome. So what are some of the lessons you're learning, you know, as a result of going through the merger? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the the first lesson in air quotes is a bit of a reaffirmation. Uh, everyone sort of said, oh, the hard work will start after you actually merge. Um, and we sort of <laughs> knew that was true, but when we were doing hard work to make the merger happen, it didn't feel quite real yet. So I can I can certainly affirm that the real work does begin after. Um, there's, <laughs> there is a ton to do and a ton to figure out. But that's really the exciting piece. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not so much a learning as a reaffirmation. But, you know, a few things mm-hmm. that we definitely did learn. Um, you know, one was, like, from a staff perspective, sometimes you feel like an anomaly in the nonprofit sector because you're not doing direct service work. You're doing infrastructure work. And that's not always the same sexy cause work where you can find right. – other people who are as excited about nonprofit data as you are. And so (laughs) when we merged, we like, we found this whole other team of people who was just as excited about philanthropic infrastructure. (laughs) Um, And, and as silly as that sounds, I think it, it highlights the fact that there is a real thirst for supporting systems that are really important um, to civil society. And, uh, you know, those people might be like few and far between, but there is a cadre of us. And it's really like neat what can happen when you come together. So that's kind of one thing. Another thing on a related note is that we got more people who work at nonprofits 
um, than I thought we would, who have been really curious about merging, both from a kind of personal interest perspective, but also a number of organizations have expressed to us their interest in, you know, thinking about merging with another organization because I think they were really fascinated in the, you know, it's really clear that there were some redundancies between Foundation Center and GuideStar um, in terms of, like, the mission, do more together than separately. And I think that really struck a chord with people and thinking about how to really work more effectively towards their missions um, and if going beyond collaboration to actually, like, joining forces might be an option. So we've, we've mm-hmm. had a number of organizations reach out about that. And then I guess the, the third lesson was really about, like, what made this work. Um, and mm-hmm. the two biggest things were really, like, we, we were clear in communication and need to continue to be. And we've also put users, like our stakeholders, first at every decision-making nexus. Um, and both mm-hmm. of those things, communicating and having a user-centered approach, have been really critical um, to this success. And had we not done those things, um, I think our, our customer service team would be a lot busier and not in a good way. Um, and I think we wouldn't have as much good intelligence to build on as we start thinking about, like, what, what we're doing going forward. Oh, wow. This is really exciting. So what are some of the implications that you can see at this point you know, for the nonprofit sector as a whole? Sure. Um, great question. Um, I mean, the the most immediate one is efficiency. So I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. just, you know, how challenging it can be to know where to go to find information, especially if you're newer in the field. And so efficiency mm-hmm. is like the first thing. Now people can go to Candid and know that their needs will be met. Um, and, and that's like plain and simple. So that already is value. But I think in the long term, you know, certainly over the next couple of years, as we strengthen our offerings and really finish kind of bringing everything together, I think we're going to really up game as a sector because our goal is to really shift from what we've done for years of providing data and shift to providing insights about that data. So not just here's the data, figure out what to do with it, but like, you know, here's some of what we're noticing. Here are gaps in the information we're seeing. These are areas that are underfunded. Um, You know, this is something that, you know, this cluster of organizations is getting right and maybe other people should tune in. So that sort of um, curating curating content and, and sharing additional insights and knowledge feels really important, again, to reduce the work that the end user has to do to understand and rather be able to take those insights and use it to guide work. So I think that that's like, that's really the biggest thing. And I I also would just underscore that like, you know, we, part of why we did this is that we believe that an effective social sector is critical for a thriving society. And so even more, like, we believe in the importance of solutions for the sector by the sector, not by outside the sector. Um, and there's mm-hmm. been a lot of interesting commentary about that on, on Twitter and, you know, in the philanthropy publications recently about, you know, does a, does a business background or mindset necessarily apply in the nonprofit sector? And while it's always, like, my personal belief that, anyone can learn from anyone else and from any other sector. 
I also believe that the best solutions come from within. Um, and so we've learned a lot just by being a nonprofit ourselves and by working mm-hmm. in this really interesting ecosystem. And I think that that alone is also going to really help us up our game as a field. And, you know, concretely, like, just imagine, I mean, one of our biggest um, time sucks is filling out grant applications. And Ooh. we must fill out hundreds upon hundreds every year. Um, we're a big nonprofit. And so, you know, imagine a nonprofit landscape where maybe you don't have to fill out an application every time. And we've seen common grant app experiments before, but what we haven't seen Mm -hmm. are grant applications that are already populated by an existing data source. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not something that we can do tomorrow, but it's the type of question that we want to provoke and the sort of um, experiments that. that we want to do with the database that we have. Mhm. You guys have always been on the cutting edge. That that is some awesome stuff. Every time I talk to someone from your organization, and you know, and I'm speaking of GuideStar in particular at this point, I I always find out something new, and and I'm finding out something new today. And I thank you so much for sharing that with me. Well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. And, and before we go. Further, you know, I just want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Jen Buckoff. She is the Director of Stakeholder Engagement at Candid, and as you may or may not know, Candid is the result of the merger of the Foundation Center and GuideStar. So we'll be taking questions from our listening audience as well as the chat room in about five minutes, so, you know, call chat room. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And one thing that we've noticed is that our international audience is growing and that we would like to have our podcast guests to reflect views from around the world. So if you are listening from a country other than the United States and you know of heads of NGOs that we should be talking to on this show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. Again, that is info at nonprofitutopia.com. Okay, so Jen, while we are waiting for people to either post a question in the chat room or call, we can get back to our conversation. And I guess my yeah, my my question is around the customer experience, and you already touched on it. Um, for um, you, I just want to get a sense for whether or not the customer experience has been impacted or how it's been impacted, you know, for the better, for the challenging as a result of the merger? So um, good question. In the short term, the goal has been uninterrupted service, and I'm pretty proud of the fact that I'm, like, scared to say it out loud, so I'm knocking on wood. But so far, <laughs> we, we've barely heard of any challenges that people have encountered. Wow. Um, we, haven't, we haven't changed any logins. You know, so far we haven't migrated web properties. Um, So for the most part, like, 
there really hasn't been a change from the customer experience end. One of the most mm-hmm. visible changes has actually been um, through our social media, where our, our handles have shifted over to candid.org. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, we actually did something that I think is pretty neat on our websites, where if you go to, for example, foundationcenter.org, you'll see a little menu at the top um, that just says Candid at a glance. And it helps Mm -hmm. kind of dot connect with all the things that are happening um, while we still wait to get some of that web presence more streamlined and, you know, all of the services rebranded. Um, so that's just to say, you know, the goal's an uninterrupted service, and, you know, we're really trying to communicate clearly with our audience. And I think in the longer term, you know, the hope is for customer service to always continue to improve. Um, we hope that the products we offer and just the way that people find information um, through Candid continue to improve, and any changes are going to be based on our stakeholder feedback. We're, we're always listening to where people encounter pain points and we invited, you know, people's hopes and dreams as we did mm-hmm. the launch, um, both through conversation and we invited it over email and Twitter. So we've really been listening to some of the things people would like to see. And all of that input really will be central to how we continue to iterate. So the hope is that Obviously, the customer experience only get better, um, but but certainly it will not be interrupted. Oh wow, that that is wonderful to hear. I know I personally haven't had any problems, you know, whenever I've gone to either website. So I can attest. I can attest. Excellent. So okay. <laughs> so the merger is done right now, but um, as with any going concern, your work is never done. So what's next? Oh, everything is next. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's the, that is the truth. <laughs> everything is next. So in the short term, we have a bunch of what we're calling work streams, um, which are cross-cutting teams um, from across various departments and, um, you know, places in the org chart, um, which is pretty neat, a lot of different perspectives. So they're exploring all of the key topics that we have to tackle. So for example, we have a system services work group um, that's really looking at like, well, first they made sure like our new email addresses work all and our Slack, Mm -hmm. which is our internal water cooler conversation. um, (laughs) They made sure that that was set up. But it's also, you know, the stuff like banking and payroll and some of those other systems that we're using um, in the course of our work. And, of course, for an organization as large as ours, there's no shortage of systems. Um, And it's not like they were all working perfectly anyway. So it's really an opportunity Mm -hmm. to revisit what's been working, um, you know, what do we keep, what do we kind of reshape, what do we create anew altogether. Um, So that's like one example of one work stream, but there's also, you know, more programmatic strategy focused ones like the 2030 vision work stream, which is working toward our, you know, new um, strategic plan, um, which is Mm -hmm. kind of wild to already be thinking about 2030, but that's going to come up a lot sooner than we think. And it's really, um, I I mean, I find it really exciting that staff from across the organization can help shape that. Um, we're at just like such mm-hmm. an exciting moment. Um, 
And so, you know, that's another work stream. And then, of course, the work stream that I started on, which was the one that sort of led the charge, um, the branding work stream, our work on some mm-hmm. level, um, you know, is in this second phase where we now need to implement this brand that we created, both in terms of the visual and the verbal um, and thinking about, you know, how it applies across all of our products and services and, um, you know, how we can make things simpler and clearer for end users while also not being confusing. Um, so that sort of like brand building work is a big deal. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, another thing that's on the horizon um, that's very exciting to think about is we have an all-staff retreat coming up in October, um, which also mm-hmm. will be here before we know it. And, you know, that'll be the first time so many of us are face-to-face. Um, we Something that I really love about Candid is that we have staff everywhere. We have um, our our biggest office in New York. Um, but we also have really big presence in D.C., Williamsburg, Virginia, um, the Bay Area, Atlanta, mm. and Cleveland. And, and, and then we have a whole smattering of remote staff um, as well across the country and even a couple internationally based. And so to have mm-hmm. an opportunity to bring everyone together I think is really going to be huge for entering into this new phase as one organization. Oh, that is really, really awesome. Awesome. You know, I am, you know, someone who's really into to research and I look to both, you know, your predecessor organizations, you know, for a lot of the research that I do so can you share with our listening audience, you know, what some of your current research products are and how they might be used by funders as well as grant seekers? Sure. It's um, a great question, and we certainly love researchers coming to us, so that's <laughs> great to hear. Um, so we've been kind of joking that the even though we're all under the candid umbrella now, we still have our Foundation Center classic offerings. That's how we're referring to mm-hmm. it now, and our GuideStar okay. classic offerings. So some of the ones I would highlight um, from Foundation Center classic would be Foundation Maps, which looks at who's funding what and where. Um, so when you sign in, you get, you know, this zoomed-out map view, and you can search by um, – issue or subject area. You can search by investment strategy, like the type of grant making. You can search by geography or population serve, um, and, a, and a whole slew of other things. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really neat for looking at, like, the, the zoomed out picture of philanthropy and then being able to zoom in on the area that's interesting to you. Um, mm-hmm. And then almost like the flip side product of that is Foundation Directory Online, or FDO for short. Um, And that's been known for years as the primary tool for grant seekers um, who largely use it for prospect research. And it really helps um, grant seekers to better target their applications, um, both in picking what funders to apply to and seeing what they've funded in the past so that they can be more on target um, with the types of proposals that might be successful. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are like Foundation Center's two primary products, but 
We also have um, CF Insights, um, Community Foundation mm -hmm. Insights, which has a really great um, uh, annual survey called the Columbus Survey. Um, we'll be releasing the latest set of data this summer, um, but that's a really neat benchmarking tool to see the operational side of community foundations, um, which I think, you mm -hmm. know, is a, it's an interesting sort of entity that bridges that gap um, between funders and grants, another research product I'd point out. And then, um, you know, on the, found, on, on the GuideStar Classic side, two things that I would mention. Um, one is the compensation report, um, which is certainly useful and enlightening um, for looking at salaries across the nonprofit sector. Um, and then, of course, um, GuideStar Profiles, which I dig into for my personal giving um, on a regular basis when I'm trying to decide, you know, where I want to where I want to make donations every year because it's a really nice way to read up on both what we know from 990 data, but also um, all the great information that's been supplemented by nonprofit organizations themselves that describes the work that they do. Um, so, I mean, there's a bunch more I could go on and on, um, but those are some of the top research products that I would highlight. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I, I really love the GuideStar profiles. Those get, you know, more and more powerful every year, and it seems like every year they add yet another, you know, you guys add yet another level of disclosure. Can you... Give us an overview of, sure. of how one might <laughs> go about getting yeah. a profile and, you know, back up as to what it is. Certainly. Um, so basically anyone that's already registered as tax exempt already has a profile. Um, and so what we ask you to do through GuideStar Nonprofit Profiles is formation in the sense that, like, Personally, I wouldn't hand over my tax information as my resume, right? Like you want to fill in the context of what's behind those numbers. What are we actually doing? Mm -hmm. Like what does the work actually mean to us? Um, and so similarly, we ask nonprofits to claim their profile and add in information about what they're doing to bring context to the IRS information that's already available. So on a really, really simple level, um, people who fill in their organization address, their mission statement, um, their program names, descriptions, and populations served, and maybe a couple other things, um, it's like mm -hmm. 15 minutes at most to update, they would earn a bronze seal of transparency. And that's our way of saying thank you, first of all, for being <laughs> transparent and being committed to sharing some additional information. Um, and, and it's also the beginning of a set of seals that you can earn. We have bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And the idea is that with each additional level, you're sharing additional um, information about your organization. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it certainly takes time. And um, I really, I applaud for anyone listening, like, thank you if you've taken the time to put information into your profile. Um, that's awesome because funders use this all the time. Hold on, I'm sorry, my my phone is ringing and I have to to click decline. There we go. Okay. Am I still on? I'm still there. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I I hate cell phones. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, we really applaud and appreciate um, you all for filling this out because it makes you a lot more accessible and a lot more visible to funders and also individuals like me who just want to learn a little bit more about your work. Um, So it's really easy to do. And something pretty exciting is that there was actually – some recent research um, at a Villanova University that actually shows that you have a higher likelihood of getting funding um, when you are transparent through your GuideStar nonprofit profile. So it's like we had this theory that that was true, and there's actually been research um, that, that proves it. So, you know, definitely a value proposition there. And once you have your information in there, um, you did hint that, you know, things seem to get tweaked every year. And it's true, we keep Mm -hmm. iterating on, you know, the type of information you can put in. And in particular, we're actually, um, we'd like to start to do a push for folks to share more diversity, equity, and inclusion data, even though that won't factor in. Yeah, it's it's really important. And we decided not to correlate it with specific seals um, because we realized that that's so specific to each organization, but we still encourage Mm -hmm. folks to share that data and um, people find it really valuable. They're certainly looking for it. So, you know, we do update our fields every year um, to to reflect what we're hearing people are interested in. Um, But it's not like your old information goes away. It's all it's all very iterative. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, what I like about the GuideStar profiles is it's really an opportunity for nonprofits to use the information that they have on the 990 as a marketing tool, you know, because the basis is the 990, but then you also can expound on it or expand from level to level. And I would imagine as you go up up the ladder, you, you reach a sort of nirvana, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, it's a great term, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Or self-actualization as parency goes, and it's really way beyond, you know, what's required, and, and I don't blame you for for applauding people. But I, I think those um, profiles can also serve the organization because it really, you know, as you fill out the, the profiles, it forces you to, one, reflect on what you've done, but two, yep. um, think about, you know, ways you can do what you've done a little bit better, um, figure out how best to present it. You know, obviously you want to be truthful, but, you know, think of ways that you can, you know, further stand out. So I, I think this is an awesome, awesome tool. And you also have a counterpart, right, for foundations you're going to be starting, the, the Glass Pockets program? Yeah, that's right. It's, this is one of those examples of accidental or not, the organizations were just so aligned before we merged. Um, so it's really like the other side of the same coin. So the GuideStar profiles highlight transparency for nonprofit organizations and on Glass Pockets, um, glasspockets.org, which is Foundation Center Classics Transparency Initiative, um, foundations can also fill out their transparency profile. Um, okay, and awesome. I, 
Yeah, it's pretty neat. And I, you know, I really love where the name Glass Pockets came from, which I thought I would just share um, because it kind of highlights Mm -hmm. why we do this. So you talked about how Foundation Center was started um, during, like, the McCarthy-era hearings um, when Foundation leaders were really being questioned about where their money was going. And in the course of the hearings, um, one of the Foundation leaders who was called to testify was Russell Leffingwell. He was a banker, um, but he served as the board chair of the Carnegie Corporation. And during the testimony, um, he actually said the foundation should have glass pockets um, with the idea that anyone could easily look inside foundations and understand their value to society and what they were doing. So that, that quote inspired, you know, decades later, it inspired the name of our transparency initiative. And so what we encourage, um, foundations to do on glass pockets is to look at their transparency practices specifically as what they're transparent about on their website because today Mm -hmm. a website is really a a critical um, vehicle for transparency and if you don't have one um, you're you're probably not being transparent Um, and so we actually just hit a hundred foundation profiles so that's a hundred foundations who have you know, walk the talk of transparency and shared what they're doing and what they're not doing. Um, and I think it's it's also important just to say that just like the the GuideStar nonprofit profiles, the Glass Pockets mm-hmm. tool is not meant to be a scorecard, um, but it's it's rather meant to be a just a platform for sharing, um, so that we can learn from one another, and you can also take it back as a tool to maybe talk about the things that you don't do or ways that you want to evolve as an organization um, within your organization. So not everyone needs to do all the things in all the ways. Um, We know every organization has its quirks, um, and foundations, Mm -hmm. of course, also have their quirks. Um, So it's not about having a perfect scorecard, but rather about the accountability for good transparent practices. Okay, and we do have a caller. I'm not sure if this caller um, will actually have a question or not. Some people just call so they can hear a little better. But I'm looking at phone number 773-624-0585. I'm going to make your mic live. If you have a question, please um, feel free to ask, or if you have any comments, um, let us know how we're doing, all that good stuff. Okay, caller, do you have a question or comment? Well, it seems as though there is no question or comment, so I'm I'm going to follow up. Um, I know that there is also another tool um, put out there, um, Grant Advisor, where you mm-hmm. have grantees who share feedback with tours you know, to talk about their experience. Will you guys either partner with them at some point or will you be offering a similar forum where grantees can provide feedback to the grantors, you know, through the glass pockets? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Grant Advisor is a really great website. Um, I've enjoyed combing through it sometimes. Um, right now, um, there's no there's no plan for partnership or for doing anything similar, but of course, 
as with any um, open strategic planning period, anything's on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right. something important to know about Candid, though, is that we're really driven by being an objective, um, neutral source of information. And so historically, we've really stayed away from any sort of rankings or reviews, not because we don't think it's important. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I, I really do think it's great that sites like Grant Advisor exist. Um, but we really mm-hmm. want our data to be trusted and useful across party lines, um, across all different types of entities, across, you know, mm-hmm. any geography. We function on a global basis. And so that's something that in the past we've seen as likely distracting and not in line with that um, in our current mm-hmm. model. Okay. Yeah, that that's really helpful and really good to know. And I thank you so much for that. And And I'm wondering, you know, if you're a foundation – um, how would you go about setting up your own Glass Pockets profile? Sure. So Glass Pockets is really easy to use because the the website glasspockets.org is very focused around um, filling out your profile. So um, right on the homepage, you'll see a big box that says 100 foundations have Glass Pockets. Um, you could <laughs> click on that to first view the profiles of your peer foundations which I always think is a mm-hmm. good idea to know, you know, what you're, what you're going to do and um, read up a little bit. And then it says, mm-hmm. does your foundation have glass pockets? Um, and you can just click on that and get started on filling out your foundation's transparency profile. Oh, that, that is really great. And you know what? Yeah. I was really, really, sh- <laughs> I was so shocked when I read on your website, like I said, every time I go to your website, it's something new that I find out. 90% of, of foundations don't even have a website, I, but yet you're able to help grant seekers find them. So how do you do that? It's true, and it shouldn't be um, <laughs> so hard to hunt for that information. I will say that we laughed looked at that data point about two years ago, um, and I'm curious okay. to look into it again, but I don't believe the needle has shifted that much. Um, it's really, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty egregious. So, you know, if only 10% of foundations have a website, where do we get all the information? So, um, uh, you know, one of the good things about the internal revenue service, actually my previous employer <laughs> um, in another life. Um, um, so one one kind of neat thing in the United States is that our nonprofit system is based in tax code, um, which you don't really find anywhere else in quite the same way. And so a result of that is that the private foundation data is readily available. And so the, the data that populates our databases, that's a really big source. Um, but it's also supplemented by a lot of data partnerships. Um, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we're working in a global ecosystem. And so for the last mm-hmm. several years, we've really been working on building data partnerships um, internationally and also with various um associations of grant makers, um, both domestically and internationally, who supplement the information that you can glean from the IRS um, to help tell their own grant making story. So so we have about 1,400 foundations that do what's called e-reporting. They electronically report their grants data to us. 
Um, and oh, and wow. those, um, yeah, it's pretty neat, and it helps get ahead of the story because the time it takes for the IRS to share data, and then that data is somewhat incomplete, and um, you know, it certainly doesn't tell the whole story. So it's a way for a foundation to be really transparent about what there is, what it is that they're doing when they're doing it. And then, you know, I'll also just tease something exciting that we've been working on. Um, we have a really robust tech team um, that I they keep getting smarter every year. I don't know how they, they've learned so much coding, <laughs> but um, they, they are building various web scraping tools where we get a lot of really great information about funding and what's happening in, in the philanthropic landscape from actually, like, tech tools that, that scrape information from the web. Um, so that's great if a foundation is either publishing some information or if there's news articles, um, we can pull some of that information into our database as well. And that'll be one of the ways that we continue to experiment and innovate going forward. Yeah, that is really, really powerful. Powerful. And I thank you for sharing that. And <clears throat> excuse me, before we go a little bit further, I just want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Jen Balkoff. She is the Director of Stakeholder Engagement at Candid. We are taking questions now. If you want to call in, you still have time. We're at 347-884-8121, or you can post a question to our chat room. And before we get back to our interview, I just want to tell you a little bit about Nonprofit Utopia. We are the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We have created a safe environment in which our members can innovate, speak candidly about the issues and concerns they face on a daily basis, and they can also share ideas and resources. Our content, in many instances, is member-driven. You can to nonprofitutopia.com as well as nonprofitutopia.mn.co to find more. And there is a link on the episode page in the comments section. And our mission is to provide ongoing professional development and networking opportunities in which experienced nonprofit professionals can share expertise with the next generation of ethical leaders. The overarching goal of the community is to give our members the tools they need to develop strong organizations that will make a lasting impact. Now you see why I love Candid so much. Our vision <laughs> is, yeah, I do, and I, I say that sincerely too. And our vision is to strengthen the global nonprofit sector by providing training and development opportunities for 50,000 emerging nonprofit leaders around the world by 2033. So that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. And when I say that, I probably have just given away my age because I don't even know if they say that anymore. <laughs> but anybody who knows what I'm talking about, it, same age as I. So I, I won't go <laughs> any further about that. But um, again, I, I want to focus a little bit more onto your capacity building tools. And mm -hmm. I know you touched on some, but, you know, can you share what some of 
your favorites are, and I know they're all your favorites. You work there, so they're all your favorite capacity. They are all cool. my favorites. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about two of them because um, I know we are short on time remaining. Um, so one mm-hmm. of my favorite capacity building um, efforts that we do are our trainings, our learning opportunities. Um, we have well over 400 learning opportunities a year, and they are dynamic. I, um, I try to take them whenever I can fit them into my schedule because, like I said, we're a nonprofit too. Um, I always have a lot to learn. So there, there's a blend of in-person, web-based, and self-paced e-learning classes um, that are all mm-hmm. available. Some, some are fee-based and a lot are free as well. Um, and so you can find out information about those on, um, on grantspace.org. Um, that's grantspace.org. Um, and those okay. historically have been more geared toward a nonprofit audience. Um, But I would also just share with the funders who might be listening that many of these are really applicable to you and um, certainly worth taking. Um, But if you're not interested, consider sponsoring your grantees to go um, or encouraging them to go because so many of them are like really time-tested capacity building trainings. And um, we have a lot of funders who just always send their grantees to us, which is pretty exciting. And then um, the other capacity building tool that I'll mention that's more geared at funders um, is the the platform that I oversee, which is GrantCraft. Um, so that's grantcraft.org. Um, some of you might know it actually as having started at the Ford Foundation, which it did in 2001 as a way for mm-hmm. funders to learn from one another's experience. And it's been at Foundation Center for more than eight years now. And everything on the site is um, practical wisdom from funders. So it's um, it's from funders for funders. And for any nonprofits listening, I would also encourage you to go to GrantCraft because it's a really good window into how funders think. Um, And Mm so there's a lot to kind of read up on and learn from there. And um, our latest body of research actually focused on participatory grant making. So if that phrase excites you, um, definitely head on over to read up or watch some of our videos on that topic. Okay, great. And I will make sure that I add a couple of those links to this episode page for people who, you know, who are listening now or in the future. So. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to today's show. We've come to the end, and we had so much more to talk about, but um, I respect your time. And I'd like to thank Jen Bulkoff. She's the Director of Stakeholder Engagement at Candid. She was an excellent guest, and she gave us so much information. She was so succinct in her answers, and she was able to pack a lot into a very little time. So, Jen, are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with our listening audience and let them know how they can reach you? Sure. Um, Thanks again for having us, Valerie. First of all, this was a really fun conversation, and I love that you Mm -hmm. love Candid. It makes my heart sing. Um, I think for (laughs) for folks listening, 
you can always reach out to me directly. Um, I have no problem with personal email. So it's Jen, J-E-N, dot Bokoff, B as in boy, O-K-O-F-F, at candid.org. Or you can tweet me. I'm at Jenbo1. Um, but you can also reach Candid generally on Twitter at candid.org. Um, and we have a bunch of contact information for other folks and general info at sort of email addresses all over the website. Um, so visit candid.org and you'll find the landing page for all of the information we talked about today and more. And I think what I would just encourage your listeners, um, as you do on so many of your episodes, is really just to like stay curious, keep asking smart questions and looking at what peers are doing, what other organizations are doing that you might be inspired by or be able to pull from. Because I, I tend to think that we're going to move a lot farther, a lot faster if we learn from each other and iterate together rather than all trying to invent the wheel on our own. So I'll leave you with that thought. Candid can help you do it. And thanks again for having us. Okay. And I want to thank you guys again for being consistent sources of support in terms of, you know, providing guests over the years ever since I started. So that, that's awesome. And I always learn a lot. Awesome. Well, we'll have to help you get some international guests as well. We'll we'll touch base oh. on that soon. Okay. I would love it. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. All righty. Okay. So for our guests, um, I'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show. I encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. We have included instructions to guide you through the process. And be sure to join us next week for yet another lively discussion on Nonprofit Utopia. Our guest is going to be Anthony Oliver. Anthony is the CEO of Community Venture Investment Corporation, or CIVIC for short, and he's also a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community. So he's going to be talking about the opportunity zones and how investors and nonprofits can get involved. So until then, You take care, and I hope to talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again, Jen. All right, bye-bye.